Hey guys, and welcome back to another podcast. Today, I'm going to be reading a story uh, with a very long title, but uh, I really enjoyed writing this story, and um, this is dedicated to my seventh grade science class, um, which sort of helped me come up with this idea, so thanks guys. And uh, in addition, I want to say that since I'm back, um, I'm going to be recording a lot more episodes of the Cat and I Love Skunks movie reviews podcast, um, obviously with I Love Skunks, um, where we review movies, and I'll put the link in the description for this podcast. So, without further ado, here's the story. So this story is called The Magnificent Mole Mastermind and the Mishaps of Margaret's Marvelous Magnificence. Margaret Miller was eating her typical breakfast of mango marmalade toast and eggs before school on an uneventful Monday in May. She glanced up out of the window where the trees were swaying gently in the wind and the sun was slowly rising into the perfect azure sky. Then the floor disappeared. Margaret found herself plummeting far, far down into the depths of the earth. She didn't get to finish her toast. Margaret screamed. It had been a while since she felt this scared. She handed roller coasters and never took unnecessary risks. She didn't play video games, especially not the kind like morbid mania that made you scared even though you were on the other side of the screen. But here she was, falling endlessly farther and farther under the town of Macville in her hometown state of Montana. She had learned in school that this was a sinkhole. She would have expected this if she lived in a place like Florida that got many sinkholes, but here in Montana, that wasn't expected. She wasn't about to take a risk in a place like Florida with dangerous things like alligators and snakes and hurricanes on top of all the countless sinkholes like the one she was currently inside. While she was thinking of this, Margaret began to wonder why she hadn't hit the ground yet. Then she wondered how huge the impact would be if she still hadn't hit the ground and continued to pick up speed. Then, as though her mere thoughts had some of the experience, she slammed onto the ground with mind-boggling force and speed. Her vision went red and then black, and she passed out before she could feel much pain. She woke up being carried by many damp, squishy hands through a short, dark cavern. She was bound with a strange substance, cold like metal, but flexible and sticky like spider webs. Margaret hated spiders. Whatever was carrying her obviously didn't consider the fact that her head being raised above their heads which would mean she would frequently scrape and bump her head against the rocky tunnel. She panicked, obviously not thinking about the consideration of her captors, and thinking more about escape. She had never read much fantasy or fiction, and didn't understand the slim chances of her escape, nor the future consequences of such an action. She didn't even get past the spiderweb-like wires as the creatures, or things, realized she was trying to make escape pulled out their long, flat spears, and knocked her on the head until she fell into unconsciousness. A second time, Margaret woke up, but this time was more wary of her actions. Instead of being carried by many small hands, though, she was in a cell. It was cool, smooth metal all the way around, and a little raised section that she was now on for sleeping. There was no visible door. She sat up wearily and shook her head. She was most likely dreaming. She hit her head with her palm, slapped her cheek, and pinched herself to wake up, but she did not. This was as real as Matt's masterful mango marmalade on her toast this morning. Many, many hours later, when Margaret had fallen asleep, and was not in the least getting any good quality sleep, 
creature seemingly melted out of the melted out of the wall, right in front of her face. It woke Margaret straight out of her fitful sleep with a yelp. It was a mole. Margaret had never been fond of moles, and this didn't change anything. Well, it was more of a mole humanoid creature. It looked like a mole, but standing upright, and it was huge, about her size. It looked violently down at her, and, Ma- and Margaret cowered in fear. The mole man was also wearing something. It looked like a string of black beads with one gold in the center, around his neck. It was carrying a small spear that was made of steel, and very sharp looking. It said something that sounded like, Margaret stared back at him, blank-faced. The mole man sighed and slapped a small bead into Margaret's ear and repeated the phrase. Somehow Margaret now knew what he meant. He had said, The monarch Monvix wants to see you now. She shrank back. Somehow she doubted this would be a friendly meeting. The mole man whistled, and two others melted out of the wall on either side of Margaret. They grabbed her arms and forced her to her feet. They threw her against the wall, but instead of hitting it painfully, she slipped through and fell to her knees clumsily on the other side. She was in a huge cavern. It was lit with blue recess lights. The walls were shiny, and it looked like metal. She saw the guards had not followed her, and there was no one else in the chamber. There was, however, blue and white equipment, and the same metal spears she had seen the guards carrying scattered around the room. Margaret looked around the room and saw that there was a single door on one side of the room. She figured this was her chance. She sprinted towards the door. She was never a very fast runner anyways, so when dozens of mole-men warriors melted out of the smooth walls and stopped her in her tracks, she was easily caught. They grabbed her and forced her through wall after wall for hours. She was bone-tired when they finally thrust her on the the floor in front of a fancily-dressed mole. She was sitting on a metal throne, and although it was true, Margaret's first thought was not about how uncomfortable it looked. Her yellow dress sparkled with adornments and patterns of gold, and her huge gold necklace was inlaid with jewels that reflected colors and patterns on the wall. Guards flanked her, holding metal spears set with huge yellow crystals. My name is Monvix, she announced, speaking in a loud voice with a surprising British accent. Welcome to Moleville. Suddenly, a table was rolled behind her, and she was forced onto the top of its metal surface. Monvix stood up and walked slowly forward holding out her golden scepter. Smaller, dark-coated moles scurried up next to the table, holding strange equipment. Then she fell asleep, wondering what was about to happen to her, not to mention she was hungry. She never finished her marmalade toast. Eight years later. Eight years later, Margaret was still working for the mole people. Truth was, she loved it there. It was dark and damp and there was dirt everywhere. It was always her turn to dig a new tunnel, and when she wasn't sinking her claws into the damp, rich soil, she was inventing things. See, her opposable thumbs made her a valuable asset for the high-tech mole people, and she knew this. The mole people were her people now, and since she was only ten when she had fallen down that sinkhole, it felt like they had raised her from birth. Life on the upside, as they called it, seemed so far away and almost like a distant dream, clouded in mist and memory. She had lost count of the years, but she didn't care. She would work in the lab for hours on end with other mole people dressed in the same queen's yellow, a color only worn by Queen Monvix's favorites. She built things and learned things every day. Engineering models for blasters taught her how they worked, so now she designed and built her own. She even invented carbon decking. They called her a genius and the most valuable one they ever had, whatever that meant. 
That made her extraordinarily proud, but something itched at the back of her brain every time she thought about what her old self had gone. When she had woken up from that surgery years ago, she had felt and looked different. She had a sinking feeling that she had modifications far beyond her handy claws and dark vision. She was scrambling down a metal-encased hallway in the heart of the labyrinth of the tunnels that spanned the entirety of Moleville. The scrabbling of her half-claws, half-feet on the smooth silver surface echoed for miles. She suddenly reached one of the huge caverns which contained the city itself. She looked out from the high ledge onto the shiny city, reflective in the dim lights in the hang that were hanging from the ceiling. It was a modern paradise. There are many such caverns in Moleville, which housed several districts and the primary mode of transportation for the mole people. These were hypermagnetotrains, a train that hovered and could traverse any terrain. It didn't run on tracks, but quickly refueled by passing a short checkpoint. She was marveling at the beauty of it all, some of which she had helped to create and design, when she heard voices from another nearby ledge. She no longer needed the chip to hear anymore, but her modifications had in, 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 her modifications had included understanding molish. This human is better than all the ones before, said the first in a rough, scratchy voice. Another golden age. There were two. Well, I guess she, we should hope she doesn't die soon. She's probably the smartest one we'll ever get, said the second. She stopped in her tracks and laid down the iron cannons with her latest carbon-decking modification newly installed. She realized that they were talking about her as if she was just an object. Surely all the moles didn't feel this way. You know what I think, said the first one in a lower tone. Margaret had to strain her ears to hear. I think we should take two a time or more. Make sure they never meet, of course. You know what happened the first time they were, the last time they were two. The second shuddered at this thought. Margaret inched away. She had to go deliver the blasters. She was on a schedule. But what about that conversation she had heard? What had happened the last time two humans had met down here? A few months later, Margaret remembered the conversation again. It had slipped her mind with all the preparations for the falling and placing, or TFIP happening. It was a huge plan that even Margaret didn't have the clearance to access, but she was sure it would bring great improvements to the lives of all the moles and of all of her people. She remembered, while she was thinking about that same delivery run she had made when she had heard that fateful conversation. Deciding to figure out what had happened the last time two humans met in Moleville, Margaret headed over to the senior engineer's chamber. She knocked twice, and, having, and after hearing a muffled enter, she opened the door and strode into Mervyn's quarters. Mervyn was the senior chief builder master engineer to the queen, and yes, that was his official title. What is it? he asked warily, turning his green velvet swivel chair to face her. Were there more humans like me here ever before? she asked innocently, but yet very carefully. He hesitated and seemed to mull the question over in his mind a bit before answering. She was content to wait. After a minute or two, he said, yes. He said it very matter-of-factly and end of, this, uh, end of this conversationally and swiveled his chair back over to the fireplace, where he resumed gazing at the flames, very troubled indeed. A day or two later, Margaret was skittering down the hallway towards the lab to start her morning work when she stopped abruptly. She heard Mervyn and Ma Queen Monvix conversing in the adjacent corridor. 
She knows, Reverend said in a worried tone. What? Knows what? She's not the only one. She's getting suspicious. Well then, you know what we have to do, the queen said, obviously unfazed over what was indeed a major revelation. Yes, but, no buts, we have to dispose of her immediately. Knowledge is power for us, but when they possess too much of it, it becomes disease, and disease is infectious. With that, Monvik strode away, and Mervyn scrambled off in the opposite direction, getting the equipment ready for disposal. Disposal, Margaret thought. That couldn't be good. She had to get out, and fast. She made plans to leave the next day. She didn't know when disposal would be, but she didn't want to stick around and test it for herself. Just as she was planning to sneak out of one of the rare tunnels that led up to the surface, the next day, she was called to Mervyn's lab. She was escorted, which was out of the ordinary, now that she was usually trusted to go anywhere she pleased. It was the disposal. She was in a white, sterile room, which was lit from the walls, and a familiar metal table sat at the one end, when an equally familiar metal throne sat at the other, though she couldn't place it exactly. If she had been counting the days, she would have known it was about eight years since she had last seen this room. She sprinted for the exit and got past the door, but suddenly guards were on either end of the long corridor, closing her in. There was nowhere to go. But then she remembered the extra modification she had made on her claws before she left. She jumped and ripped the metal ceiling of the hallway like tinfoil. She climbed through effortlessly, slipping past the sharp edges of the mangled and torn metal sheet. All that was left was to dig for the surface. She dug for hours, feeling the cool soil in between her half-claw, half-hands, and, and with a feverishly digging guard mold at her, eel, at her heels. She couldn't slow down or she would be caught. Sweat dripped from her brow and her eyes drooped. Her muscles screamed with exertion and she guessed she wouldn't need a workout for a while. Somehow she made it to the surface. The sunlight was blinding. It was too warm and the sun seemed to burn her alive. She crawled to a shady spot under a tree and looked around. There was grass and trees and flowers, and suddenly she was very grateful to be an upsider once more. Epilogue The surgery had been years ago. Once she had gotten up to the surface, she had performed surgery to remove her mental modifications and her claws, although she had kept her dark vision. It couldn't hurt. She was now the most successful young engineer in the state of Montana ever had, and had come up with a number of cover stories of where she had been for eight and a half years. She still hated the sunlight, though. So I really hoped you enjoyed my story. Uh, it was called The Magnificent Mole Mastermind and the Mishaps of Marvel Margaret's Marvelous Magnificence. See if you can remember that. Um, again, I really hope you enjoyed, and see you in the next podcast.